all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I know that I comment on the passing of time quite often at the beginning of my podcast, but I seriously cannot fathom that we are approaching the end of March. <laughs> I'll admit that I just cleaned out some leftover garland that I kind of had kept up after Christmas you know, just leaving it there for kind of like a wintry feel after Christmas because, you know, you just don't want to get rid of the glow and the whole feel. And I mean, here in the South, we've, of course, have had the spring fake out where we thought spring was coming and then it got bitter cold again. So the garlands just kind of, you know, stayed around. But today I thought, you know, we're, we're past St. Patrick's Day and all. I think it's good, you know, to go ahead and just put that last little bit of evergreen garland away for the year. What in the world? Anyway, I'm picturing many of you now as you settle in for maybe the afternoon carpool line, or maybe it's your morning run. Maybe you're just staring down that pile of dishes that needs to be tackled from last night. Or you might be on your way to class, or like one young woman I met recently, it's the baby's last feeding of the day. And it's also her time, she said, to just kind of sit still. Whatever it is that you're doing in these moments of listening, I mean, I'm just assuming that most of you are multitasking, which is awesome. I pray that this will be a time of deep encouragement for you. And for those of you sitting there in your comfy chair with your blanket and your tea or your coffee, let's all just say that's even more awesome. And we collectively say yes and amen to that, that you're not multitasking. And okay, we wish we were doing that too. But I pray whatever you're doing, your soul finds refuge in Jesus in these moments, and that anything I say would just be dots that are connected directly to Him today for your encouragement. Well, Ann Boskamp, Rebecca Lyons, and I just completed the Broken and Free Tour, which I'm sure you got tired of hearing about and seeing if you follow us on all of our social media. But I'm telling you, it was the sweetest few weeks together. We did spend um, about 12 days on a bus together meeting women from all over the country. We had great crowds each night and ended up staying afterwards for most of them to greet the women who came, which kind of took a bit and it was sweet. It was just such a neat time to kind of go face to face with a lot of these people who have come out to see and hear this message. And it was just such a truly purposeful time. One of my favorite things, while Ann and Rebecca sort of stayed put at signing tables, I got to make my way down these two huge lines of women waiting for Ann and Rebecca to sign their books. I was sort of, I kept telling them, I'm your inline entertainment. And it was quite comical watching women kind of not know what to do with the fact that I was sort of entertaining them while they waited. I would just kind of walk up on conversations and just kind of stick my head in and nod for a little bit. And they would kind of look over and just giggle. Or some of them honestly would just look at me like, we're not in line for you. (laughs) I got all kinds of looks. I will say that. But some of my favorite, of course, was when many of you who came out to see us would bring up the podcast to me. And some of you fighting back tears and some of you just going ahead and letting the tears flow. But as you expressed just what it meant to you, it just blew me away. And I stated on Instagram in my little podcast update that I mean it when I say that I am just truly baffled that anyone listens. And I'm baffled that what I have to share has truly been 
used of the Lord in really, really sweet and personal ways for so many of you in your lives. And I'm just floored by that. So thank you so much for those of you who came out. I mean, some of you were like, I came just to tell you that. So thank you for doing that and for sharing that with me because it just means the world and it helps keep me going. That's for sure. It was a joy, I will say, to get to travel with Anne and Rebecca and the Compassion International team. It was amazing to get to tell my kids when the tour was over and said and done that literally hundreds of kids from various parts of the world are now going to be cared for because of the Broken and Free Tour through the work of Compassion International. So that was amazing to get to come home and tell my kids that. And I can honestly say, too, that after being together in close quarters with Anne and Rebecca— that we actually still love each other. And by the end of it, we were actually trying to think up ways that we could somehow extend the tour together. We were like, can we do this again in the fall? What could we do again? It was just so sweet. And it was a joy for me to get to travel with other women. I'm usually the token girl on the tour bus with a bunch of smelly guys. So it was so amazing to have other women to talk to and to kind of journey with. There were actually four of us women on the bus, including Emily, who was there working on behalf of Compassion. So we just had some solid representation going on, and I loved it. I also have never really gotten to tour with authors before. I mean, I guess technically I've toured with Louis Giglio many times through the years, but I've always seen him kind of as more of a pastor, even though he's a great author. But getting to travel with women authors who I've watched this message that they're carrying literally be formed in them and walked out, and it was just amazing for me. I marveled at how they would edit their talks from time to time on the tour and just tweak things on the fly, and I also marveled how some nights before we were set to go out and sign autographs, I'd often find either Anne or Rebecca on their knees in their dressing rooms, just crying their eyes out. And I would come up behind them and just put my hand on their shoulder. And pretty soon the three of us would just be huddled. And we'd just take turns sharing because the message of being broken and free would just sort of level all of us all over again out of nowhere. So it's safe to say that we each kind of took turns pretty much just kind of losing it in a way on the tour. And I'll say this too, we each took turns having at least one night where we just felt wiry and spacey and honestly just kind of slap happy silly. (laughs) Yes, and boss camp, though rare, can actually be slap happy silly. Every night though, for sure, Anne could be found in her pajamas, contacts off, eyeglasses on and a huge bowl of popcorn in her arms. Rebecca and I, on the other hand, would be found with our hands down in the container of the Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. So there's that. But the message of Broken and Free isn't really a light and fluffy message, as you can imagine. But our hope is that it gave women permission to own where they are, and to really surrender to Jesus in a new way. And one thing that Anne said in her talk every night that I loved was, all of my imperfect is His, and all of His perfect is mine. All of my brokenness is His, but all of His perfect is mine. 
And that was really, in a nutshell, what we preached and sang those nights together, being broken, open, and given so that true abundance and freedom can flow in our lives and from our lives, not in the place of hard things, unfortunately, or in place of the struggle, but right out of the very soil of what we're all walking through. Abundance and freedom is possible because it's what we're called to. It was especially amazing for me to get to see my dear friend Rebecca Lyons really own her voice with this freedom message that is so alive and well in her, and to get to celebrate the release of her book, You Are Free, together on the road. And like I said before, I've literally gotten to watch this message be formed in her, and I can attest to the fact that it's kind of a lay down on your floor in your closet, kind of ball your eyes out, refining work. So it's precious to me to just see these friends of mine who are burdened to the point of tears to experience this freedom for themselves, yes, but then to really truly want it for others, to be burdened to help people have this message of hope and freedom burned into their hearts. I will say that I did personally have fun just entertaining Anne and Rebecca with some of my shenanigans. I don't know. Sometimes when a moment is really heavy, I just feel the need to bring some levity sometimes in a very subtle way, of course. My friend Angie Smith knows this about me, and often we huddle together at events because I think we've come to rely on each other a little bit for commentary when things get heavy. (laughs) I was so excited that I got to hold Angie captive on the plane ride home from the IF gathering in February. She actually wanted a window seat which meant that I had her trapped and held hostage to just try out some good stories on her to make her giggle. But of course, as always, she ended up making me laugh the whole time. And then we cried too, because the conversation most definitely always goes as deep as it goes high and wide. Well, I wanted you to know that we are going to be pushing pause on the podcast for the next several weeks. I know, surprise, surprise. The truth is, is you probably totally felt it coming. I know many of you were actually thankful that we took a break in January because you are just now catching up on the 20 episodes from 2016, and you were happy to have the time to get caught up. But then there's some of you who are literally waiting patiently and expectantly for it to return. Well, because my team is so small, and I've told you this before, it's basically my husband and my manager, whose wife just had their third child, I might add, and me making this podcast happen, just the three of us. I've said this from the beginning, sometimes something's got to give. But all that to say, it's mainly because something is stirring in me, and I need the time to discover fully what it is. It's music, I believe that, but with it, I sense that the larger story will be told on this podcast, much like I did with the Christmas record, The Thrill of Hope. It's so funny when something starts stirring in me, and by that I mean just a a deep work in my heart that I eventually share. I don't really recognize it at first because I actually at first feel detached and kind of wiry. And I know I've used that word twice in this podcast. (laughs) So by that, I think I mean... I can't sit still for long. That kind of disposition that almost feels rebellious sometimes in a way. I don't know if it's my flesh resisting a heart work in its infancy or if the Lord is just maybe giving me some time to rest mentally before the work starts. Maybe it's all of the above. 
whatever it is, it makes me wonder if that work is really going to happen. But I know by now to know that it is coming. And at some point, I will surrender to the process and strive to rest and be still in order for the work to be formed in me. I don't know the exact timing of it all yet or how it will all unfold, but I'm excited to share it with you. I do know that. So stay tuned on my Instagram and Facebook so that you'll know what's happening. I've got to take the time in real time, unfortunately, (laughs) to sit with it. My manager laughs at me because if he had complete say... I would have these podcasts planned ahead and recorded ahead for weeks and weeks at a time. And he's right. I totally should do that. But I'm a sucker for real time and authentically working it out that week or the week before or even on the spot almost and sort of letting you in on the process at the same time. Because honestly, I know that's helpful to me when people let you in on their process Like I shared with you in the February podcast when I was at Beth Moore's one-day conference called Lit, she shared her process of writing with us, and we couldn't write fast enough. It was like drinking from a fire hose. But so much of it was so pertinent for what the room of women needed. And that's my prayer for this podcast. I've always hoped that I could somehow just respond out loud as a way of encouraging you And I trust that by His Spirit, He is making it timely for you as He's making it timely for me. So I know something's coming. And so in every way, I've got to make my world small right now. Some of you might have seen that lately my husband and I have been doing house shows here and there. These have been specifically these families who partnered with us in a big way to help fund the Thrill of Hope Christmas record. And in turn, we came out to their neck of the woods with their people and just put on a concert for whoever they wanted to invite. Well, each of them have been so different and so significant, each in their own way. And I've shared out loud each time that there's something so beautiful about small things. And even beyond that, If we know that the kingdom of God is upside down, small things are not so small after all, that they can actually be really big things. At one of the house shows, the husband who had blessed his wife with the concert for her friends and her family, he prayed beforehand and just acknowledged that Jesus was right there with us. That room of 70 people which was actually one of the largest house shows that we did, but that Jesus could move in power by His Spirit in the same way with a few of us as He can move when the masses gather. And He prayed and said, If you need healing tonight, Jesus is here. If you need a restored marriage, He is here. If you need encouragement, He is here. And as He prayed, this belief just started rising up in me that literally anything was possible on that sacred and small night. I was reading in the Gospel of Mark this morning how Jesus fed the 5,000, and then another time, 4,000 people, each time with only a few loaves of bread and a few small fish. But each time, it's clear that Jesus gives thanks, He blessed it, and then what did He do? He broke it and gave it. This is going back a bit to the broken and free message I was just telling you about that we carried on this tour. It starts with something so small, seemingly not enough to really work with. But when Jesus breaks us open and we are given, 
and by His Spirit, He's able to work in and through us, it multiplies. I have to believe that the multiplication process can be at work for the kingdom in the biggest ways in the smallest places, just like they can be at work even at your workplace today or at your dinner table with your roommates tonight or your family. And all throughout the Gospel of Mark, we see and hear over and over that Jesus was looking for our faith, someone who might just have a mustard seed-sized faith, like the woman with the issue of blood who stopped Jesus right in his tracks when she touched just the hem of his robe. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 30, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, and I love this, they said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? (laughs) They were like, Really? Everyone's touching you right now. (laughs) But it goes on to say, But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, we know from verse 29 that she had already been healed instantly from touching his hem. It says in verse 33 that she came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This morning, as I read this, I couldn't help but sense that in the middle of the chaos of this crowd pressing into him, which had been happening daily at this point in Jesus' life, but what stopped Jesus in his tracks is that he felt the power go out from him, and he knew if power had left him, whoever touched him had believed that it was possible that they could become well by touching even just the hem of his robe. And this is what he's looking for. It's what pleases him because he knows that it pleases the Father. Hebrews 11:6 says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him." That verse makes me shake like a leaf sometimes because I don't know about you, but I want to please God to believe that not only that He exists, but that He rewards those who come with and seek Him with their whole heart. I also love that Jesus called her out and made her own it. He didn't always do this, but in this case, He wanted to say, your faith has done this. Faith is what I'm after. Even in the smallest gesture of, if I could just reach out and touch the edges of His garment— I know I could be made well. The story is so stunning to me in so many ways and just encourages me today to have faith, even in the smallest things and the smallest ways today. In the mundane, our faith can truly change things. Often people ask Nathan and I how we got started in music and doing what we do And sometimes I watch as people's eyes just kind of start glassing over (laughs) and they start to yawn. It's just not the fast-paced, exciting story of instant discovery that most people want to hear. It's sort of the mundane kind of start that began with a few years in Oklahoma where I was teaching preschool and Nathan was finishing college and working part-time and we were living in a tiny one-bedroom apartment just trying to make ends meet. But all the while, these songs 
were burning in us. And we really kind of didn't know why at the moment, but we knew they were important. Something was stirring. I talked about this recently at this Worship Together conference in a room full of worship leaders at, at our church in Franklin, how Nathan and I would sit and write songs together at night. That was our life before we had kids and when we first got married. And we were also writing with our friend Charlie Hall at the time, leading together at a church plant with him there in Oklahoma City. But we didn't decide to record a record for any other reason other than the fact that we thought that our congregation might enjoy the songs and be blessed by them. And that was the truth. We just wanted those songs to be some sort of glue that might connect us in unity as we were journeying together as a brand new church. We called ourselves Sons and Daughters at the time, and the album will be titled Holy Roar, named after a song that Nathan and I had written in that season. In those days, we would get in Charlie's truck and basically go wherever someone would have us lead, and sometimes even just for spending money or a meal. Those times were small and simple in the natural, yet I believe enormous and complex in the supernatural. That's my two cents anyway. This is a little section of a blog that I wrote about this time in our lives, and you can read the full version actually on my website in the blog section. I believe it's called The Future Is Now, but here's a part of it. It says, There was a sense of urgency upon us to ask God for more even then, in spite of our youth, to blaze a trail together. Even though we each had enormous places we needed to grow in, we somehow knew the future was upon us, that it was nigh and we needed to seize it with every bit of passion we had. There was no social media in those days. I often say we were made in the secret. There was no Instagram to get the word out when our sons and daughters' CD release concert happened, but the right people showed up somehow, and they showed up in droves. But there was no one to alert Twitter or Facebook when we jumped in the truck for the 18th time to go sing at a church in Backwoods, Texas, or in the Arkansas Hills, We were just rolling in the dark, having no idea what we were doing really, but knowing somehow that we were doing the right thing. The future is now. It's nigh. It's upon you. Seize it. Dance in it. Blaze a new trail. Get in a truck and start driving towards what you know God is asking you to do, even if it's small and hidden and in the middle of nowhere. You won't regret it. It will connect you to the right people. Your songs will be their prayers, and their prayers will be your songs, and water will flow from the floodgates long after your big future is just a memory. Jesus is enough, and your perfect start is now, so let it begin. That's the end of the journal entry, but when I read that, I think about, you know, this is the stuff that I want to preach to my own kids, (laughs) that small stirrings and starts are actually really important. In a culture that is all about being discovered, what if we were the people who discovered how to be? Be the kingdom. Be the ministry or the organization you dream of. Be that to one person today or your friends at work or your yoga class. I have a beautiful friend named Brittany. She's a worship leader and has a heart to be a bridge as a young African-American woman to bring the church together in unity. 
Her heart beats for it. She sits and cries with me often about it as we meet every month. And she's even started a ministry geared towards it. But I told her the other day as we sat over a bonbon bowl in Franklin, P.S., if I had a record scratch sound right now, (laughs) it would be fitting because the bonbon bowl at the Franklin Juice Company is worth a dramatic pause. If you're in Nashville or Franklin, this is a must. Like, it's not a maybe, but a must for you. And if you go to the Franklin factory, you can also pick up some Five Daughters Bakery Donuts for the road. Just saying. And PSS, Nathan and I love bonbon bowls so much that we actually figured out how to make them at home. (laughs) Because you can actually buy the frozen acai packets at Trader Joe's. It's unsweetened, so you can add some honey, granola, strawberries, bananas, cocoa nibs, and your life is changed forever. Anyway, (laughs) as Brittany and I sat enjoying the greatest treat in the world, I sat tearing up with her about my own heart to see the church come together in unity and reconciliation, especially in regards to worship. And Brittany and I go to the same church where one of our founding pillars is diversity. And we've seen this played out. Are you ready for it? In small ways. In small ways in the natural, but what we feel like are actually enormous strides in the supernatural. Through seeing it play out authentically as a part of the very DNA of our church, we've seen that it's prayerfully become a posture of our church rather than a platform for our church. And we both sat there really, really grateful for that. We shared how it isn't a box that you can just check off of a list for a church or an organization, but it takes real friendship and walking together and also looking the other person in the eye, which we did that day, saying humbly, help me understand better. Help me get this. And she shared so much sweet insight with me that day. And I was able to look at Brittany and say, Brittany, you are being the bridge right now. See, she was freely giving to me and just being this bridge at our tiny table that day. She was just sitting there being what the ministry she's launching will be all about. And I thought to myself, that's it. Be and give away first what you hope to be your provision from God. And watch God be your provision in and through you giving it away. Make a stir right where you are. And be faithful in that smallest way with it and watch God come and do God-sized things. I will say that Nathan and I didn't know at the time what we were doing. We didn't know that being faithful in the small things would then give way for God to entrust us with more. We didn't know that making a stir right where we were would be the path that God would use to open door after door after door. It's funny, lately Nathan and I were remembering that in that one-bedroom apartment one day when we first got married, I brought him this article that was in like CCM magazine or something, and it was about Michael W. Smith, whom we grew up listening to and were so inspired by his music in our early years. But the article was about how he was starting a record label called Rockettown Records. And I just looked at Nathan and said, I know this sounds crazy, but I think we're going to be a part of that somehow. Well, if that had been in this time in history, let's face it, I might not have had the wisdom to just sit on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I might have started hashtagging this and that and YouTubing this and that, and who knows where we'd be. I'm just super grateful looking back. And that's when we did realize it, of course, was looking back because hindsight is, you know, always 2020. That making a stir where we were was the road we chose, not by our own wisdom, but we're so grateful that somehow God gave us the sense to just keep going in the small things. So we didn't move to Nashville at that time to start knocking on doors and passing out demos, knocking on Michael W. Smith's door. We actually moved to Houston of all places. We had been invited by a friend we had met through the Passion Conferences named Steve Selig, who actually kind of became like a second father to us when we moved to the Houston area. But he was on staff at First Baptist Houston and was over this singles Bible study then called Metro Bible Study. And a band called Cademan's Call had been leading at this Bible study every Monday night for the past few years, and they were moving on. And the Bible study now needed a new band. Nathan and I had filled in for Cademan's here and there and had come to love Steve very much and the team there. And often on cold, wintry days when we were back in Oklahoma and Nathan was going to school and I was working in the preschool, we would kind of dream like, wow, it'd be so cool to move somewhere like Houston. Well, one of those cold, wintry days in Oklahoma, Nathan came into my preschool room during nap time. I'll never forget it. All the kids were on their cots, and the lights were low, and some kind of lullaby CD was playing in the background. And Nathan comes in, and he sits down to chat with me, and out of nowhere, he whispers, wouldn't it be amazing if we could lead in Houston at Metro Bible Study like all the time? Like if we got to move there someday and like do something like that all the time? And I was like, that would be incredible. And Nathan said in return, he said, well, Steve Selig called me today, and Cademan's call is moving, and they need a band to move there and lead worship every Monday night, and he's asking us if we'll be that band. (laughs) We, of course, got up and silently jumped up and down and did a little happy dance around my desk while all the kids were sleeping, and we moved to Houston that May. It was in 1997. It was literally the day that Nathan graduated from college. And we lived in this little pool house of some friends of my brother, and we had no expenses starting off. Just I think we may have paid our phone bill, maybe the electric bill. But if you listen to the episode with Beth Moore back in 2016, this was the time frame when she talked about when she first laid eyes on Nathan and I and that we looked like little middle schoolers to her. It was such a sweet and simple and small beginning in the natural. But oh, what God was doing in the supernatural, what character He was building in us that we would learn that we didn't always know what was right, that we were young and we needed to develop, and how He would show us that faith and belief and what it can do when you really commit your way to Him. Only about a year or so after we began leading at Metro Bible Study, Steve told us that a new artist by the name of Chris Rice would be coming through as our special guest at Metro Bible Study, and that some of the Rockettown Records team would be coming with him. Nathan and I just kind of flashed a glance at each other, remembering what I had said about Rockettown Records. Well, that night we got up and we did what we had been doing faithfully for over a year. We led worship with our friends, Robbie C. and Stephen Smith and our faithful, hardworking band. And that was that. 
at least for a few months, until Steve told us that he wanted to take us to Nashville for some meetings and that one of them was with Rockettown Records. Long story short, as many of you know, we ended up signing as Watermark to Rockettown Records. P.S. We had to change our name from Sons and Daughters because legally we couldn't secure the name because there was already another Sons and Daughters out there. So our friend Louis Giglio actually thought of the name Watermark at the time and dubbed us that one day as we were kind of just sitting over cheeseburgers in Houston with him. And he shared with us that he had been at a campground not long before that that had been flooded and that everywhere you looked, you could see the flood mark or the watermark on every tree and the buildings. And it got him thinking, oh, to be a generation that would be marked by the movement of the flood of God's Spirit. And we love the actual definition of a watermark too, which in interviews we literally probably said 3,000 times in that season. An impression only visible when held up to the light. An interesting side note and kind of trivia is that actually when I met Leslie Jordan, who is one of the singers of All Sons and Daughters, she shared with me that they wanted to originally be just sons and daughters as sort of a next chapter in the sons and daughters story. But she said, did you know that there was already a sons and daughters out there? So we had to be all sons and daughters. And I was like, I know. (laughs) Too funny. I'm not sure. And I don't think they know who the original sons and daughters are, but kudos to them for holding down the name in a strong way after all these years. When we did finally move to Nashville, It was out of complete necessity. We actually grew weary of the tour bus dropping us off at the Nashville airport, and then we had to get on a plane and fly back to Houston for only a few days' work, and then it was back on a plane, back to Nashville, get picked up by the tour bus. And this was back when it was normal for Christian artists to do like 80 city tours like we were on at the time with Point of Grace. So the moving to Nashville came when it was time to do so, and it was so a necessity that we did that at that time, and it just made sense to move on and to expand and to venture out. So what's my point in all of this? I'm sure I'm starting to sound like a broken record in your life with all this small talk and bullseye talk. But hey, I think a currency that you and I can agree upon today and exchange together is the beautiful truth that Jesus really did model this in such a beautiful way over and over. He went small all the time. He came in a small way, a tiny baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. He rode in on a donkey when he could have made any kind of entrance he wanted. Very often he would get in a boat and push away from the crowd to go get alone with the Father. And he often ministered to just one or two at a time. He said that the kingdom of God actually belonged to children Often if we just take time to remember how Jesus did things, it really does reflect this thing we call the mundane. It takes a mind shift on our part, though, doesn't it? It takes a heart shift, a reposturing, if you will, to believe that He could accomplish literally greatness through you today and through me today. Not waiting for a far-off day that you'll finally be in a place where you can start accomplishing what it is He's called you to. No, just start being it and doing it. Again, it doesn't matter the size of the platform God has given you. 
He will use any size platform to refine you. He will use any size to raise you. And my dear, (laughs) he will use any size to discipline you. So trust me, let that come in his time. I know there's probably many of you out there that are like, I don't want a platform. I just want to know that my life matters today. I want to know that what goes on behind these walls in my home or in my apartment or my office, that they'll somehow speak of Jesus and his greatness. Tell me that somehow I matter, that I am truly a part of this great story, a part of the divine, a part of the glorious. Beloved, you are. You are invited in. You are the one rescued in the greatest rescue story of all time. And then what's beautiful, you now are invited in to be a part of the rescue. Back to Mark 6, both times Jesus invited his disciples into the supernatural work. And what did he use? Something very small in the natural. Even the way he answered his disciples when they came to him about the problem of the people having stayed so long to hear Jesus teach, that they now needed to let them go away and find something to eat, he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they were like, oh, shall we go and buy a day's earnings worth of bread and give it to them? And he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, verse 38 says, five loaves and two fish, he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves. And look here, it says, he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He made them vessels of the multiplication of this seemingly very small meal. He was doing the supernatural, yet they were getting to set this supernatural meal before the people. And then it says that he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000. What abundance, broken and given. I wonder, what is Jesus wanting you to lift your head and remind you that you already have right in front of you here today to give? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Well, if you're anything like me, you go and look and you're like, nope, not ready. (laughs) But what I love is that the Greek word for see when he tells them, go and see. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. The passage here, that Greek word is horao. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Most likely I'm not. But it means see, look upon, experience, perceive, discern, beware. Look upon even now. Experience even today. Perceive and discern and even beware. How many loaves do you have? What small offering is right there in your hands or in your heart today? Hold it up to Him. Hold it up to the Savior today. Offer it up with even the faith of a mustard seed. He invites you into His kingdom work today. 
you'll get to see the multiplication where something so tiny grows and grows and grows. And before you even know it, you'll look around and you'll be standing right in the midst of the supernatural. I pray that your heart is deeply encouraged today. That once again, the thing you hope most is true, you find out is actually true. That he sees you. And not only does he see you, he loves you and he invites you in wherever you are for heaven to touch earth in your world today. Maybe not always in the way we thought it might, but certainly in the most unexpected and beautiful small ways today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My family and I are headed to California for spring break for some much needed time away together. And as far as the podcast, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook to find any updates. But I'll say this, I promise to at least drop one podcast in April. I think I'm actually going to miss you too much anyway, and I'll find myself wandering into the studio wanting to reach out. So we'll see. But until then, know that I'm thinking of you and I'm thankful for you. I'll talk to you soon.